Hello and welcome to Piano Lessons, a podcast here from Harneys, a global law firm and trust company specialists in the digital assets world. My name is Philip Graham, global head of the investment funds, regulatory and digital assets team, joined here today by my colleague and expert at all things crypto, Mark Piano. Mark, welcome. I feel great to be with you and really looking forward to being a part of this. Really exciting uh, podcast launch from us uh, at Harneys. Um, felt it was really important we gave back as much as anything. There is so much sort of mystery in and around the offshore space. There is so much mystery in and around the digital asset space. Uh, we want to try and solve both of them, uh, two birds, one stone, and we'll give it our best every week to try and bring some uh, insight into, into what might be going on. Um, it's really important to us to sort of break this into, into intersections um, because I think when, when looking at how these podcasts are structured, um, we want to try and hear as much from you um, as you do want to hear from us. Uh, and so please do give us as much feedback as you can. Please pass on questions that Mark, clearly not me, uh, will answer. Um, and we can develop uh, week by week, um, hopefully, uh, a relationship with you as listeners um, that means that you're getting as much from it as we are. Now, the first section for us to look at, we're describing as a piano recital. Um, no groans, please. There's going to be more of this. Um, in which we sort of look at reciting um, some of the, the sort of current topics that are going on in the digital asset space. Mark, this is always an unbelievable list. And obviously for our first one, uh, we could touch on a million things. We could look at the crypto price and maybe we will a little bit later when we get to the questions. Um, we could look at digital asset regulation in California. We could look at NFT marketplaces not honoring their, their contracts with their artists. Um, there was a bank, I think it's Huntington Valley Bank, recently gave a loan facility to the MakerDAO. We've got Tornado, we've got Celsius, we've got Voyager, we've got Three Arrows Cap, um, we've got Singapore and Dubai regulators coming out with new comments all the time. There was even a comment, I think, in the Wall Street Journal uh, about Tether potentially going into insolvency markets, an unbelievable amount going on. But for our first one, there's two crypto lawyers, lawyer to lawyer. There was obviously a very interesting story about Avalanche um, and, and, and the crypto lawyer that was involved in, in, in that matter. Um, Interested in your take. Appreciate this is a tricky one to start with, but interested in your take on uh, on everything that's going on there. It's certainly a tricky one. I think we have to be very careful in making any kind of uh, comments at this stage, particularly because this is a very recent series of uh, events that are unfolding. But for those who haven't been um, looking at this, a relatively new website called CryptoLeaks put up uh, a significant amount of what they described as leaked footage, which a particular news outlet verified as being authentic from a lawyer who allegedly did a deal with uh, Avalanche, which is a very large blockchain uh, service. And as part of that, the allegedly, they uh, engaged in class action lawsuits against a wide range of other participants in the crypto space, ranging from uh, Tether, Bitfinex, Binance, and a range of other providers. So what we've got is uh, a situation where the allegation is that the law was weaponized effectively to take down competitors. Now, this is an emerging story and there's updates on a fairly regular basis. The most recent development was the lawyer involved has filed an order with the court in a range of lawsuits, but not all of them, interestingly enough, to withdraw as counsel. Now, we don't know why. We only are seeing this played out through certain media sources and commentary on Twitter through people either involved in the space or in some cases were involved in the companies which were counterparties to the lawsuit. 
But I think it's worth bearing in mind with most stories in the crypto space, you have to watch things unfold before jumping to conclusions. There's a lot of people watching this very, very closely, not just this particular story, but the space generally. And these range from governments, regulators, participants, some very, very, uh, I like to call them sleuths. They're investigative and they look at things in a lot of detail. And so whatever happens, what we've seen in the last few months in particular is that any bad behavior will eventually come to light. It may require some remedying of previous actions, or it may have a bit of a fallout or change of consequences for particular parties. But this behavior, if it is, if the allegations are true, will come to light and action will be taken. So I think it shows that you can't really get away with anything in this space, not for very long anyway, but also shows that as a story emerges, people will have their takes, but really as more detail comes out, that's when we see what the big picture is. So very interesting one to watch, especially as lawyers, but um, let's give it a little more room for more information to come out first before we form a view either way. These are just allegations at this stage. Very subtly put. I mean, it's fascinating talking to our sort of litigation dispute resolution team who are obviously heavily involved in this space as well. And one part there they love around the asset tracing world is how many of the sleuths as you describe are out there. There are people that are constantly monitoring this ecosystem. And I love that about this industry. And people take great pride, frankly, in, 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 in making sure that others don't get away with, uh, with bad acting and, um, and, and, and something that I think we'll see play out very interestingly here. So no, thank you for that. Thank you for that summary. Um, let's, let's move along fairly quickly to the piano solo, um, where I let you let loose on a particular topic. Um, it was interesting to see this week um, Chain Analysis put something out about uh, DAOs uh, about the fact, I believe, that sort of I think 85% of DAOs put, put in their treasury only a single crypto asset and, and that being a real concern actually for the industry. You and I have seen DAOs repeatedly over the last few years. Uh, it's one of the areas in which we're, we're exceptionally busy at the moment and really wanted to get your initial take. I know we're going to talk about DAOs a lot as this podcast series goes on, but what's your initial take on this world? And I know you're probably also about to correct me for one stupid mistake I've already made. Yeah, sorry, you've preempted me there. The term we're seeing a lot of in the industry at the moment is DAOs or Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. The terminology here I'd argue is incorrect and I'll very briefly go into why. There's a blog post by Vitalik Buterin who created the Ethereum blockchain on his blog in 2014, um, blog.ethereum.org, where he draws a distinction between decentralized organizations and decentralized autonomous organizations, among many other topics covered. And a decentralized autonomous organization is effectively a, a living thing on the internet, which has humans on the edges, and it can manage its own assets and heavily relies on hiring individuals to perform certain tasks that the automaton itself can't do. Whereas a decentralized organization is a group of people who organize themselves with a relative degree of decentralization, but are still central to the decision-making process, whether it's over commonly held assets, which will refer back to your initial point in the moment, or decision-making. And what we're seeing at the moment is most of the organizations and many of our clients, they certainly aspire to decentralization. And I think like with any startup, if you've got an idea in a project, You've got a small team to begin with. You have to maintain control over the vision and getting things off the ground and presenting a unified approach to customers and clients and financiers. And then as a project builds out, then they're going to be in a position to further decentralize and effectively move towards the goal of having an organization controlled by and for the benefit of its members. But at the moment, there's no autonomy. And that's just the reality of it. 
they're more akin to decentralized organizations rather than decentralized autonomous organizations. And even the level of decentralization is perhaps phased in rather than a day one activity, sorry, rather than a day one uh, feature. Uh, so it's a terminology point. I think DAOs are a colloquial for this organization of people that manage assets collectively. The legal treatment is not settled. It depends on the jurisdiction you're in. And we do a lot of work putting in corporate structures which can support DAOs and their activities. But I think the term itself is, is perhaps a bit of a misnomer, but it's so commonly used now, there's no point in railing against it. Anyway, going back to your chain analysis point, yes, it is an issue. And investment funds, which are regulated and other financial services providers are required to have protection against this sort of thing. And at the moment, these organizations do not have those requirements. There's an emerging school of thought and series of developments in, in terms of how these organizations govern themselves internally and how they come up with these policies, if any. And so we may see this be acknowledged and dealt with in certain ways. It might be policy, not necessarily in terms of a third party insurance provider, but a, a capital insurance, self-insurance approach. We don't know yet, but I think it's a, uh, with the space that's emerging so quickly and with so many participants really trying to work together to find the best way forward for their particular configuration, we will see this become an issue in some cases, not be so much of an issue in other cases, but it does help to have this information out there to start a discussion and to bring people who are interested in the advancement of this space to come together and put ideas forward. So I think we're, we're, it, we're getting there. And these are issues which very, very smart people are aware of and working on. But it's also inherent to the nature of the, these decentralized organizations themselves that they have to agree that this is a problem and that they want to resolve it. And if so, how to resolve it. So it'll be interesting to see how it develops. But I do think it's an issue that's on many organizations' radar. Completely agree. But there's no, there's no disputing the popularity of these projects at the moment um, and, and the complexity that then comes into the analysis when looking at them. We, we on the offshore side clearly you know, have, have a role to play, but we're not the only ones. And, 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 and when you get into it and you get into the tax analysis, you get into the regulatory analysis, um, you get into the structuring analysis, including IP rights and, and everything that comes with the secret source that makes these projects hopefully hum. Um, it's fascinating to see the interplay between all the players. And, and, and I think what's really important, as you say, is, is the phaseology for me. You, you, you have to get started. And a lot of these projects feel like a chicken and egg conversation. You have to get started in some form of way with absolutely a vision of hopefully where you can get to. But practically, it will often mean that, that really, certainly the A goes out uh, and I'm not completely convinced by the D uh, and it's not really a no. So, um, so, so ign ignoring the acronym for now, there is a lot of interest in this Maybe area. we call them ADOs, aspiring decentralized organizations. Beautiful. Let's see if that catches on. Um, final section we have for you is the piano tuner. That's where Mark tunes in to his listeners um, and, and addresses a question each week that, that is raised. This one uh, this week has come internally from our team at Harleys um, purely because um, we haven't gone out to market yet, but 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 it's an interesting one and, and one that you'll probably see coming a mile off mark. I mean, we've been involved in this space since 2015. We've launched over 250 digital asset um, sort of focused funds. We did the world's largest ICO back in 2017, which we talk a lot less about these days. We've walked through two crypto winters. Um, arguably, you're now seeing a third. Arguably, you're now seeing um, a lot of commentators say that the price points are struggling. We may see even further um, sort of shakes. We have we have Bitcoin in and around 20 at the moment and uh, not quite sure where it's going. You have ETH doing all kinds of interesting things with Emerge. And I know we'll talk about that um, coming up in a, in a further podcast. But 
why are we so busy? And we get this internally all the time. You and I absolutely frantic on a, on a daily basis, but yet the price point is where it is when you look at sort of, you know, the crypto markets. What are people doing? I think they're getting on with it. We, we have, as you, you said before, seen two crypto winters previously. We're seeing now a downturn, at least an external market focus on particular prices of particular assets. What we're seeing this time that appears to be different is builders who are focusing on a genuine innovative offering, something which has a sustainable business model behind it, and they want to get on and build it and deploy it. And this is not a short-term or intermediate-term cash grab. This is an adoption of the technology with a genuine use case, or there's a gap in the market or a niche to fill, and they're presenting a case which is attracting financing. Okay, but potentially at slightly lower values than a few months ago. But there's a, a realization now, which I think was less certain in the previous crypto winters, that this technology is here to stay. It has uh, genuine benefits and potential and application. And people who are building in this space are able to do so without fear of being subject to uh, a complete lack of interest or abandonment as soon as the price drops again. I think in previous crypto winters, people had, some people had uncertainty as to the future of the, of the sector, whether these digital assets really had anything beyond their speculative value. But I think we're seeing now institutional adoption of the asset class. We're seeing the technology being adopted for real world use cases. We're seeing some of the potential environmental benefits uh, being adopted. In some cases, these are byproducts of the process itself. And decentralized organizations or DAOs, as, as they're colloquially called, they're continuing to form. Uh, we had a wave of instructions in the last few weeks. We're continuing to build with our existing clients. We've already launched these structures for, and they're on to the next phase of their projects. So I think separate to the price point of some of the more, shall we say, headline crypto assets, behind the scenes, it's quietly thriving. P crypto funds are still spinning up. We're still getting instructed on those. The, uh, the corporate structures are becoming ever more complicated in terms of how they're structured and what they do and the activities and what you can and can't do with a foundation company, executing on governance proposals, very large uh, fundraising still, not necessarily the Wild West ICO days in terms of the sheer speed of it, but certainly capital from, in some cases, retail investors, in some cases, private, in some cases, funds and institutions who do see a long-term industry here. And I think that is going to drive continued adoption, continued building, and a market that's approaching maturity to an extent amidst a much uh, more varied regulatory landscape than we saw a few years ago with the BVI, for example, and we'll be putting out an article on this later this week, published uh, amended AML regulations, which brought certain virtual asset service providers within the BVI anti-money laundering requirements. It's the same in the Cayman Islands, same in other jurisdictions. The BVI will be implementing its own virtual asset laws separate to the AML regulations at some point this year or early next. Cayman has the same and other jurisdictions have the same. There's a delicate needle to be threaded amongst lots of different laws and regulations, as you've touched on before, tax advice, accounting advice. These are all things to consider for a business which is serious and wants to offer a long-term product and expand its offering and its client base. This is no longer a case of throwing up a website and a rough idea and earning lots of money anymore. This is building businesses with solutions that really do meet a need. And so we're seeing a, a development there. We're seeing a commitment from very serious players, not just on the financial side, but also in the uh, technological and infrastructure side. I think this is here to stay. And so people who had that view are continuing to roll out these projects, um, notwithstanding the the focus on volatility in the in the asset prices themselves. Absolutely agree. De De DeFi is, is thriving, and um, and, e and even those 
sort of, you know, looking at the current price point will tell you there are some absolute bargains out there at the moment. And there are some people sort of vultures circling around them accordingly. Um, I saw someone, I saw someone this weekend say that they were sort of lining up all of the NFTs that they were going to purchase if people forgot to change their ETH price, um, depending on the price movement. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to see the world, uh, the world in which we're operating. Mark, this has been brilliant. Great answer. Thank you ever so much. Anyone out there, if you want us to address anything at all next week, please do let us know. Yeah, Mark, final words? If we look at what happened in May, June, July with the uh, unwinding and uncertainty of certain centralized lenders, it's actually the DeFi protocols who did better out of that because they had to get paid first to have the collateral release because it was automatically held. So <laughs> I think it was a rocky ride, but DeFi, well, certain protocols certainly proved their worth. Yeah, there's a whole conversation around that, but uh, maybe next time. Thanks, Thanks very much, Mark.